So, uh, my name is Doug McGee. I'm uh, Natalie's husband, <laughs> Allie's dad. Uh, my my son Brendan, his wife Carrie are here. My daughter Erin was, uh, and they have our grandson Gideon, of course. My daughter Erin was here earlier, and uh, she goes to First Baptist. Brendan and Carrie go to Grace, uh, but they're here today, so thanks for coming. So I'm not a I'm not a professional minister. I'm I'm just a really I'm just a goofy scientist. Um, I, I studied geophysics at Texas A&M University. Woo. Uh, I did uh, MBA later on at the uh, University of Florida. Go Gators. Uh, but I work in the oil and gas industry. So I'm, I'm, I work for one of the big integrated oil and gas companies, same company for 35 years. And so that job has given me, given my family, the opportunity to travel to a lot of different parts of the world and work in a lot of different parts of the world. And so I'm going to share with you uh, a couple of those stories. In fact, a couple of months ago when Pastor Curtis and Pastor Robbie first approached me, they said, hey, Doug, we'd like you to, you know, come, t- come time in the church and just share a little bit about what's going on in, in the recent place that you worked and kind of what kind of ministries were happening there. And I said, okay, yeah, I'd love to do that. And, and uh, Pastor Curtis asked me, he said, well, do you do much public speaking? I said, well, yeah, yeah, I do some public speaking. I said, but I got to tell you, Pastor Curtis, most of the time when I speak with people, I'm asking them to invest millions of dollars in my projects. Pastor Curtis thought about that. He goes, well, you could change to that topic if you want. So, <laughs> but I'm happy to say I'm not going to be asking for millions of dollars today. So we've been looking at, we started a series last week about together. So what happens when we do certain things together? Uh, today we're going to talk about teaching, but more specifically, what happens when we read the scriptures together? What happens when we open God's word together and we read it together. And there's a lot of different things that happen, of course. I'm, I'm going to focus on one thing today, and that is that sometimes when we gather together and we open the Word and we read God's, God's Scripture, it stirs us to take action. And that's the aspect I want to focus on a little bit today. So we've got a verse here. I want to share this verse with you. It's kind of long, but I'd like to go ahead and, and read it. I'll read it for you. So this is Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I have to share with you, this has kind of been my model verse for about the last 20 years or so. I don't share that with too many people because I don't want them to hold me accountable for it. (laughs) But this has kind of been a model verse. And when I read this verse, when I open the Bible and I read this verse and I have it printed and I keep it on my wall at work, it stirs me to action. It stirs me to action to want to 
help people, to want to help reach out and help others. So I'm going to focus on that aspect a little bit today. And, you know, I, I really, I'm just a goofy guy. I'm not, as I said, I'm not a professional minister. Um, but the one thing that I so desire is I just, and it's a desperate desire sometimes, I just really want God to use me in, in any little way that he can for his glory and to make a difference in, in people's life in any little tiny way that I can. Because he takes, God will take any tiny action on your part and he can use it for his glory and use it to make a difference in people's lives. Sometimes when we pray, we, want to, we decide we want to, okay, we want to do something. We want to take some action. So we pray, God, please give me the opportunity today to share my faith. Please give me the opportunity to help someone. So I have to tell you, that is never, ever my prayer. Because what I find out is that there are a lot of opportunities every day. I just miss them. So my prayer is always, God, please help me to recognize the opportunities that you bring my way. And please give me the faith and the courage to step out and take action. So I've got to tell you a story. Earlier this year, Natalie and I were in New Zealand with some of our family. And, uh, and one night we, we dropped off Brendan and Carrie at the place they were staying. And, uh, and Natalie and I were staying close by. And it was late. It was dark. I was tired. And all I could think about, I want to get checked in. I want to take a hot shower. I want to go to bed. That was my focus. And so we're driving out of the place. It's dark, and it's New Zealand, right? So you drive on the, the driver's things on the right-hand side of the car. So we're driving out, and I see the landlords running around in the middle of the night in their, in their pasture. So I stop, roll down the window. Come, you know, hey, what's going on? They say, oh, you know, our cows got out. We're trying to herd the cows back in. You know, it's late at night. We want to get the cows back in. I thought, oh, yeah, bummer. Good luck with that. <laughs> Rolled up the window, started to drive off, and Nellie said, Doug, let's stop and help them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, we're from Texas. We know how to herd cows. <laughs> so, so we got out, and, and we helped them herd their cows back in. And when we got back in the car, Nellie looked at me. She said, Doug, why wasn't that your first instinct to help those people? Well, it's because I was focused on my own agenda. I was so focused on what I wanted to do, I didn't realize the opportunity when, you know, kind of hit me in the face. Luckily, Natalie was there to point it out. So, again, my prayer is to God, help me not to get lost in my own agenda and help me to see the opportunities that you bring my way every day. So I want to share a few more verses here. I'll, I'll, I'll read these quickly, and, and uh, it's along the same thing you'll see. So let us, this is Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then lastly, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So all these verses are about taking action and taking advantage of opportunities. So let me uh, share a couple stories with you guys. 
As some of you may know, I spent most of the last six years working in uh, Central Asia, uh, in a former Soviet Union country. There's still some sensitivity, so for now I'll call it Stan. So I was in Stan. Um, I was a technical director there for a consortium of seven uh, very large oil companies. We had a huge project there, billions of dollars. It was a really demanding job, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of time at work. But when I went there, I had some grand ideas about the ministry I was going to have, how I was going to work in the local church. I was going to you know, learn the local language. I was going to have a huge impact for God there. Well, as usually happens, God's plan is a little different than mine. And uh, when I got there, right as I got there, they had just started to crack down on religious groups. And several of the Christian pastors had been thrown in jail. Uh, Some of the people in the churches had been uh, persecuted and they had lost their jobs or they were being denied benefits by the government. So this is the environment that happened as the time that that I was moving into Stan. So again, I had this grand plan and it wasn't God's plan. So I floundered around for a little bit and eventually got involved in a kind of an underground Bible study. So I want to hold that right there. So that's, I want to leave this and I want to do a little bit of a tangent. So hold that thought. I'm going to come back to it, the underground Bible study. Because one of the, one of the ideas here is that God can use you wherever you are. He can use, if he can use me, I promise you, he can use you. And so I wanted to share a couple, of, a couple of stories that aren't, because it doesn't have to be related to church. It doesn't have to be related to Bible study or, or home church or some kind of Bible discussion. It's, it's stuff we do every day. So let me share a couple stories with you. So you look at me. Believe it or not, I like to go to the gym. I know you can tell, right? You say, yeah, okay. So uh, I do like to go to the gym. Uh, it's funny because uh, in Stan, my admin assistant said to me one day, she said, said, Mr. Doug, you always go to the gym. You don't look like you go to the gym. <laughs> so don't let, these, don't let these skinny arms and skinny legs fool you. I do like to go to the gym. So I joined a gym in Stan, and I tried to go there uh, three or four times a week. And they have a tradition there. It's kind of a cool tradition. When you walk in the gym, you have to go say hi to everybody that you know. You say, you go cock to law, you know, how are you? Hello, hello, and you have to go shake hands. Natalie was there. She's seen the ritual. You have to go shake hands. But there's this one guy, I'm going to call him Yvonne. Yvonne was a silver medalist weightlifter in previous Olympics. He was about six foot tall. He probably weighed close to 300 pounds. His arms were this big around. He was huge. His nose had been broken a few times. He was now a, a mixed martial arts fighter, MMA fighter. And I said, hello, Kaktala, how are you, to Yvonne every time he glared at me. Weeks went by, I said hello to him every time he glared at me. So I'm like, I'm not giving up on this guy. So one day I was walking by, and he was doing exercise right here, and he, without even looking up, he said, you need to keep your feet on the ground when you bench press. I'm like, ooh, he noticed me. <laughs> Walked by him again, he says something to me, he said, you need to keep your back straight when you curl. I'm like, oh, Yvonne noticed me. A week or so later, I'm standing there. I just put down the bar, and I'm looking across the room. There comes Yvonne. He comes charging over to me. He's a huge guy. My life flashed before my eyes, and he stood in front of me. He pulled my earplugs out of my ears, and he said in Russian, which is a very cryptic way of saying, what are you listening to? He pulls them out, puts them in his ears, (laughs) and 
and I, I like to listen to Christian music and country western music. So I was li- happened to be listening to contemporary Christian music at the time, and he looks, points at the ears and he goes, Stop! What is this? And I said, It's, it's Christian music. Stop! What? And so I think about I said, Okay, so it's, it's Christian music. I made the sign of the cross. He goes, Oh! Big grin across his face. He pulls down his shirt. He has a cross tattooed on his chest. He said, Ya Christian Toja. I'm a Christian too. Of course, I, I happened to look on the other side of his chest. He had a skull and crossbones. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, a little bit of balance there. But when I, when I, when I left Stan, actually, uh, Ivan left Stan before I did. He was going back to Moscow to, to train. And he, before he left, he came and said goodbye to me. He showed me, he told me two things. One, he started going to church again. He was a Russian Orthodox. And two, he showed me on his playlist, on his workout playlist on his iPod, he had some Christian music that I had given to him. I had given him a little, some harder core stuff, some Kirk Franklin, some Cutlass, some Skillets, and stuff like that. And uh, no, he really liked it. So again, there's a, that's a small, that's the tiniest of actions on my part. I basically was just friendly to the guy, and, and God used that. So maybe, you know, when you, there's people you see in the grocery store or in the gym, and sometimes just the smallest action of being friendly and just stepping out a little bit, God can use that tiniest action for his glory and, and to make a difference in someone's life. I had another uh, thing I wanted to share with you. So I told you I put verses on my wall at work, and Romans 12 was one of the popular ones I use. One day I had this young lady come into my office. She was getting me to approve something, and she, she looked at the verse on the wall, and she looked at me and she said, Mr. Doug, are, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. She looked around looks around and goes, I'm a Christian too. And it turns out that she's, she was one of the members of the, one of the churches where her pastor was thrown in jail and their, their church was disbanded and they were trying really hard to, to get back together. So I, we talked a little bit and I shared some Christian music with her. I don't know why I do that. I always like to give people Christian music. So she was really excited to get it and she couldn't wait to listen to it. So a couple weeks later, I checked when, in with her. I said, well, you know, how do you like the music? She said, well, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I thought, hmm, that's odd. So I was talking to Allie and to my daughter Erin that night, and I was telling them the story, and they said, they said, Dad, did you give her the music on a CD? I said, yeah. They're like, oh, Dad, nobody uses CDs anymore. Put it on a, put it an MP3 file, put it on a, a flash drive and give it to her. So I, the next day I did that. I gave it to her, and she, she smiled, and she said, oh, Mr. Doug, thank you so much. She said, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, and she held the CD like this, but I didn't know what to do with this. <laughs> so she eventually started coming to the, to the discussion we had. Again, there's, a, there's the tiniest of actions on my part, basically just being friendly, giving Christian music out, and you know, God used that tiny action and, and for his glory and to make a difference. So again, there's people in your life, you might see every day people at work, people at school, you know, people you pass in the hallway, people you see at the gas station. Tiny actions God can use. As I mentioned, so let me get back now to what I left off, floundering around, getting involved in the underground Bible study. So I did get involved. Um, my work schedule was crazy, so I started to get where I could be involved more. I started helping to lead discussions. And then at the same time, God had really been impressing upon me 
to step up, to step up and do more. And one night, Natalie and I were talking on the phone, and, and I was sharing her this, and she said, well, interesting you say that. She said, I've been praying that you would step up even more. And so just try to not do something that Natalie McGee is praying for. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. So it was clear to me that after... Um, it was clear to me that God wanted me to step up. So two days later, I get a call from the guy that had been leading the, the kind of the underground Bible study. He said, look, Doug, I have to leave Stan. And he goes, I really think God is leading me to ask you to take over as leader. And so my first thought was, yikes, that's pretty quick, God. It was only a couple of days ago I prayed about this. Um, and then, of course, what's the natural thing we do as humans? I came up with a million excuses why I couldn't do it. I can't do that. My company wouldn't let me. Uh, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm not worthy. You know, a b- million excuses. And I had all of them. I had hundreds of them. But it became very clear to me this was something uh, God wanted me to do. My family was praying for me. So eventually I, I agreed to do it. Um, and I never really thought in a million years that I'd be helping to, to lead an underground church somewhere in Stan. But we started to develop more of a service and so instead of just having a Bible study, we had a time of worship, we had a time of Bible discussion, we had a time of prayer, and a time of fellowship. And initially, in the first parts of this, I was kind of planning it all, and I was picking the music. That's what's really funny. Aaron Alley thinks that's hilarious. So I was picking the music out. We had guys that play guitar, and eventually, after a few weeks, the guys, two guys that play guitar said, hey, Doug, why don't you let us pick up the music? <laughs> And we'll, don't worry, we'll pick out the music, we'll make sure the music's there, we'll make sure we'll, someone's there to play. Don't worry about that part. So we did that. That was, uh, was kind of nice to have those guys take that part over. And we, the next thing happened, we started to grow. Initially, when we started, we had 10 to 15 people, and we had one baby, you know, uh, like a one-year-old child. As time went on, we were getting to 20, and eventually to plus 40 people, and the plus 40 people included 10 to 15 kids, ranging from babies to teenagers. So venue became an issue because what we had been doing in the past is because of the sensitivity, we'd been meeting in different people's homes each week. So each each week we met in a different place and we kind of rotated. We had so many people that most most of the apartments couldn't accommodate 40 plus people anymore, let alone 15 kids. And so we, we, we prayed about that, um, and luckily, uh, I was blessed with a, with a pretty big apartment. Uh, it was part of my job. I got this big apartment, so I had this big four-bedroom apartment. I had a humongous living room and dining room that could easily accommodate 40-plus people, so we started to meet in my place every week, which is a little bit of a risk, but uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. So we started meeting in my place every week, and I told you I had four bedrooms. I had one bedroom was my bedroom. I had a study, a guest room, and there was a bedroom I didn't use at all. So we took all the furniture out of that, and that became our Sunday school room. So it was awesome. We would, we would uh, come together. We would have a little time of fellowship at first. We'd go into worship. The kids then would go, after worship, would go into the Sunday school room. The adults would have a discussion. And we, what we were doing, we were just going through different books of the Bible. We'd alternate New Testament, Old Testament. We roughly go through a chapter at a time. Three or four of us guys would, would take turns leading. Um, then we had a, a time of prayer 
we had a lady that uh, volunteered to keep track of our prayer requests, so we would, we would share a prayer request, and then we'd have a time of fellowship. The whole thing would last about three hours. And, and uh, I was sharing with a previous, previous service that that time of prayer with those people, because they were struggling with things in their life, they were facing different kinds of persecution, this time on Sunday was a sanctuary for them, a time of safety, a time of, uh, of fel- you know, fellowship and stuff, and a time to focus on the Lord. But it's also, we spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time sharing prayer requests, a lot of time praying for each other, and a lot of time recalling how God had answered our prayer. It was, it was one of the really most special times of prayer I, I, that I've experienced. As time went on, me and three of the guys kind of uh, formed a little leadership team, and, and they helped to coordinate, and we prayed about what we're going to study next, and we kind of adjusted the agenda, and you know we improved a little bit on what was happening. But one of our constant concerns, of course, now that we were meeting in my place every day, was, was security and, and compromise, basically. And so it happened. One day I was leaving my apartment, um, and, and all, most of the apartments in the city I was living in had some kind of security desk. The apartment I was living in didn't have a desk. It had a kind of a security guard you had to go through to get in the parking lot. So I was walking out, going to the grocery store, and there was a policeman with a guard. And they stopped me as I walked by. And they said, are you, are you the resident of apartment 57? I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, we've been noticing that there have been a lot of people that come to your apartment every Sunday at the same time. What are you guys doing? And luckily, I had, we had, uh, the guys and I had talked about this. If we were asked this question, what, what we would say. So I'll tell you, here's what we said. Here's what I said. I said, we're a book club. <laughs> Not a lie. I said, we're a book club. I said, we get together, and we have time of fellowship. We, we, we talk to each other. We have coffee. We have snacks. And we talk about the books that we love and the books that we read. And I said, also, we practice our English because I was one of the, probably one of the only people in that group where English was the first language. Most of the people there, English was their second, third, or even fourth language. And so they talked to each other in the native Stun language back and forth for a few minutes, and the cop finally turned to me, and he said, you foreigners are weird. But it, scared, it did scare me, and of course I met with the leaders and we prayed about, talked about what can we do to try to mitigate this. And so we did start uh, changing the time, so we met at different times on Sunday. And then I started looking for an alternative way into my apartment. And it, it turns out, and Allie actually got to go in the back way, it turns out that there's a, shop, a little shopping center next door to my apartment that had a parking garage. And I started searching around the parking garage, and there's a door, a little door in the corner with a, with a key code on it. And that door led to the parking garage in my apartment. So I've, I've got the code to that door. I won't tell you how. And I shared the code with, uh, with the folks in our group. So what, what happened then is most of the people parked in the shopping mall parking garage, put the key in the code, got in the parking lot of my apartment, came up the back stairs, and they didn't have to go by the guard desk anymore. And so this helped a little bit to mitigate that problem. So the other thing I want to just mention, and I talked a little bit about it, is the diversity of that group. 
You know, as I was the only one that English was my, my first language. But not only were the people from different cultures, different languages, they were also from all sorts of different church backgrounds. But the, the amazing thing was no one focused on our differences. We kind of relished the differences that we had. And we focused on the one thing we had in common, which was what? It's our hope and our faith in Jesus. That, that was the one thing that all, that's all that really mattered. And we focused on that, and we got over any kind of theological, doctrinal differences. They never really came up. Uh, again, it was just a sweet collection of people and just focused on helping each other and focused on glorifying God. So all these things I'm talking about are, and I hope they, you can relate to them, these are small actions, really. I mean... Uh, I'll explain to you a little bit more about it, but there's small actions on my part and small actions on your part, but God takes those and he can use them. He really can use them to make a difference in people's lives. Even though I was thousands of miles away from my family, they still participated with me uh, in what I was doing over there. Natalie, she visited several times. She got to see some of the stuff uh, firsthand. We talked on the phone a lot. Uh, She was always encouraging to me. And she's the one (laughs) that that was always cautioning me about security. She said, Doug, you need to be careful. Don't get complacent. Be careful. Watch what you're doing. You shouldn't be meeting the same place every time. So she was, I know she was praying about that. And, you know, other than the one time with the policeman, you know, thank God nothing else ever happened, probably because of her prayers. Erin, my oldest daughter, we talked to her. She was uh, doing some ministry at First Baptist, and we'd kind of share stories, encourage each other. Brendan and Carrie were living in Russia at the time, so we, uh, we would compare notes, basically, on what it's like to live in a Russian-speaking country, talk about the trials and tribulations, and, and laugh at some of the funny stories. Allie was always uh, encouragement to me, always a prayer encouragement. And mostly Allie laughed at the silly stuff that I did, you know, tried to do. So my family was always there for me, always an encouragement. When I first took the job in Stan, it was in 2010, they said, okay, you're going to be there two or three years, okay, so Natalie and I said, oh, two or three years, we can do anything for two or three years, well, midway through the third year, my company comes back to me, and they say, look, Doug, we're going to merge these three complicated entities into one entity, and we want you to take on a bigger role, but you need to stay a couple more years, and you're going to have to move from the capital city to the small smaller town nearer to the project, closer to where the oil is. And so whew, I did a little homework, asked Natalie to pray about it. Uh, I was getting some pretty strong feelings about it. I, I came home the next week, and Natalie and I went for a long walk, and we talked through the pros and cons. We prayed about it, and, and we decided to go for it. And so throughout this time, so I, we shared it with my family. My, the rest of my family was a little less enthusiastic, but again, eventually they you know, came around and everybody was supportive. Through this process, God was really impressing upon me two things. One, I, I needed to work less hours. I just work in way too many hours. So one, I needed to work less hours. Two, I needed my time away from work to be even more purposeful. So that led me to, it led me to do something that I always wanted to do. I've always, ever, ever since I was in college, I've always wanted to take seminary classes. And so I started doing some research. I found that the Dallas Theological Seminary had a really good online program. 
where you could do, it was a 30-hour program for biblical studies, uh, 30 hours, 10 classes. And so I, I started taking classes in the fall of, of 2013. And now, with my, I, I was taking the turtle approach, slow and steady. Uh, so I, took, I can only really have the time to take one class a semester. And um, so, so far I've taken six classes, 18 hours, uh, and it's been great. It's been, a, it's been challenging. It's been a, a blessing because I've learned a lot, but I've, I've grown closer to God. It's made me challenge some of my own beliefs, some of my own paradigms about God. But the most thing it's been is humbling. It's been incredibly humbling to take classes at seminary because the more you learn, at least for me, the more I learn, the more I find out how much I don't know. And so it's like, you know, every, every time I learn something more about God, then I, I, it opens my eyes and I realize how much I don't know. And it's, uh, it's incredibly humbling, but it's motivating because I want to continue. In fact, I'm taking a class on biblical counseling. So you guys better look out. I'm taking biblical counseling coming up. I'm going to get some counseling. Let me just shift gears here just a little bit, and, and I want to talk about hospitality. So I've watched and participated with Natalie. Those of you who know Natalie, Natalie has a gift for making peel, people feel loved, making them feel special, making them feel appreciated, making them feel comfortable. And food is often involved in this. But a little bit of this has rubbed off on me and the rest of the family, because as I was taking over leadership of this underground church, the thing I, I wanted when they came to my place on Sunday, I wanted it to be a sanctuary for them. I wanted it to be a place they felt safe, they felt welcome, they felt special. And so I did little things like I, I smuggled Starbucks coffee in. Every time I came home, I'd bring back a bunch of Starbucks coffee. I'd serve Starbucks coffee. The ladies loved the Starbucks decaf coffee. I was real popular. I just through shooting the breeze with people, I would kind of find out, okay, what is their favorite snack? What is their favorite drink? And I would go out and make sure I had those available, especially with the kids. I got to know all the kids pretty well, and I got to know each one of them. What was their favorite drink? What was their favorite snack? And I had that available. Why did I do this? Because I'd seen Natalie do it a hundred times. So had our kids. So the reason I tell that story is because when I left Stan to come back to Houston, they had a going away party for me, and everyone was there. It was a big group, and at the end of the party, each person shared with, with me something special about the time we had spent there, some special specifically about me, and shockingly, they didn't talk about my great teaching. They didn't talk about my outstanding administration skills. They didn't. I know it's hard to believe. What they talked about was when they came to my place, they felt comfortable, they felt respected, they felt safe, they felt accepted, and they felt special. I may have said special twice because they did feel special. So every one. So it, 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 it didn't dawn on me. Again, that's a small thing. How small is that to go out to the grocery store and buy some snacks? That's nothing. But it, but it created an environment where, where that was, people so looked forward to, even the kids looked forward to coming there every week because it was a time where they, they felt special and they felt safe. Again, small, small actions on my part. God used it for, for his glory, and he used it to, to impact people's lives. 
So let me sum up here. So I promise you, I promise you that God is bringing opportunities to you every day. So my prayer for you is the same prayer I have for myself, that God would help you to recognize those opportunities and give you the faith and the courage to step out and take action. And we're talking small things here, like we said, being friendly, you know, helping someone, sharing music with them, uh, listening to them. It's just small, small little things. But realize when that happens, when we step, anytime we step out and take action, you know who's going to be there trying to discourage us. Satan's going to just be doing everything he can to discourage us. And you're going to face, you're going to face opposition, and, and of all kinds. We, we face it every day. There's two, there's two specific ones I want to mention. One is guilt. So as you pray for God to begin to show you opportunities every day, and, and he does, you're going to start to feel guilty about the ones that you missed in the past. You may start to feel guilty about the ones you might have missed that day. And that guilt can be crippling. It can cripple you and, and reduce you to where you're not effective. So you just have to pray about that. Ask God forgiveness if you need to and just move on and use that as motivation to recognize opportunities in the future. The second thing where Satan will attack you is pride. Because when we step out and take action in faith, it has to be God-driven, not you-driven. It has to be The motivation has to be God-driven, not you-driven. The second thing that happens is God needs to get the glory, not you. And so I I admit, this is one I struggle with, and and this pride issue. Luckily, my family keeps me in check. Anytime I get a little bit too cocky, they cut me down the side. So thank thank God for them. So you need to have someone in your life that will uh, point that out to you. Sometimes, though, Taking action is just a matter of obedience. Like in, in the case for me when it was so clear, so clear that God wanted me to take over leading uh, this underground church. I didn't want to do it. I really, I promise you, I didn't want to do it. I didn't think I had time. I made a million excuses. But let me tell you, it was so clear that's what I was supposed to do that eventually I just obeyed. Uh, and, I, and I stepped out and did it. So that's going to, sometimes you're going to have those opportunities and you know, Holy Spirit's going to be working on you, and you know that you just need to step out in obedience and take action. So closing here. So I'm really, I'm just a goofy guy. I am. I'm just a goofy scientist. I work in the oil business. I tell stupid jokes. Um, But the one thing that I desire, and I say desperately because it is a desperate desire on my part, I desperately desire God to use me, in any way that he can. And I, I pray that prayer every day that he helps me to find those opportunities. I pray that for you too. Again, if God, if God can use me, as goofy as I am, I promise, I promise he can use you, and I promise there are opportunities that he's bringing your way every day. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word, what it tells us about how we should act towards others. We thank you for the example we have in Jesus. 
Father, we just pray that as we go about our day, as we go about our every day, that you'll use us wherever we are, that you'll help us to recognize the opportunities that you bring our way every day, and that as we recognize those opportunities, you would give us the faith and the courage to step out and take action for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.